We are back. We have decided to bring Why You Should Care back for another season. Obviously, as usual, we're brought to you by nobody. If you want to be a sponsor, let me know. I could I could hook you up. But we are brought the season back to handle some things before election. But also there's a lot of things locally and statewide that people should care about. And so we always wanted to bring the show back whenever we have issues that we can go over. As you know, my name is Obi. Time for the show. And I'm grateful to have my friend Will Brown on the show today to talk about Eastside, or Out East as some people will call it, renewal and affordable housing. Thank you, Will, for coming on the show. Will, I would love for you to just introduce yourself to the listeners. My name is Will Brown. I am a reporter at Jacksonville Today, which is the morning newsletter for WJCT News, where we produce some original reporting as well as aggregate reporting about all things Jacksonville and things that are important, things that bring joy, and how to get involved in Jacksonville. Um, what I focus on is race, poverty, and inequality, which unfortunately, of which there is a little a, a good bit of all three in Jacksonville. You and get so to write a lot about that. Is, you get to write a lot about that. So it keeps me busy, but I always like to say that stories are about people. And so what I do in Mighty is uh, listen to communities and the people in the ways they're trying to develop their communities, their improve their communities, and advocate for their communities. And before that, you were at a couple other places. Go ahead and, and drop those places that you were at. Yeah, so I was at the Jacksonville Business Journal for about 18 months. Um, and then before that, I spent pretty much the last decade, the decade before that as a sports reporter. Um, and so I covered high school sports, community sports, small college sports. But what that meant was I had a chance to see literally a cross-section of, and mostly I was in St. John's County, and then I was in South Texas for a while, I was in Tallahassee for a while, and sometimes I'd get up to Jacksonville. But seeing high school community sports, almost everybody has a child who plays sports uh, or is active in some type of um, activity. And so you, I would see everyone from the children of TV anchors to the children of CEOs of big companies in town. Um, I would see everyone from small business owners. Wow. I saw everyone from New York Times bestsellers, all at games covering uh, even the children of uh, Jaguars coaches at these games. And I, had a standing philosophy of, hey, let parents be parents. This is we're not here to talk about work. But you got to see a lot of different people. And so I even then, I always made it about the kids um, and less about, well, this kid's not getting recruited or this kid has this many stars or this kid did. If I write about a child, they're going to college to study this. Wow. Yeah. While talking about their athletics, I would also I would always mention what they're what they plan to study. So just covering communities is something I've done for a very long time. And I'm just doing it a little bit differently now at Jack's today. Yeah, and it's funny how, how things work where you're getting prepared for your current job by your old job, right? I mean, you spent a lot of time writing about communities and looking at it from the sports angle, but I'm sure that's prepared you for looking at communities in this way as well, right? Yes, um, but it also helps me understand that sometimes um, you can learn a lot about a community through sports, um, yeah. you know, for – for example, um, um, early October, uh, Reigns and Reball High School are going to play in the Northwest Classic coming up pretty soon. You can learn a whole lot about Northwest Jacksonville just by showing up at that football game mm-hmm. and looking at 
the pride, looking at the people, looking at the, it's not just football game. Uh, um, you know, looking at the, the bands, the Mr. and Miss, or excuse, the Mr. and Miss Reigns, the Mr. and Miss Rebolt, the alumni who come back, the, uh, I mean, for crying out loud, the CEO of the Jacksonville Port Authority is a Reebok graduate. Right, right. <laughs> Reebok are sending people to big places. But what I do now, Jack, today is also highlight those people from the Reigns of the world, the Reebok's of the world, the Andrew Jackson's of the world. Um, uh, you know, or even I think there's a Kip school, which is a harder school, in the Brentwood community. Yeah. Like, it's highlighting those people who aren't athletes. It's highlighting those people who are living everyday life and are doing things to help and improve Jacksonville um, in, in a lot of different ways. And so that's uh, going to sporting events, you learn a lot. I still moonlight as a sports photographer, so I still sometimes kind of give like the whole courtesy wave. I'm like, I see you. Yeah, <laughs> I would say the from a political <laughs> standpoint, if, if it, depending on when that game lands, you always want to take your candidate through that, through their uh, we've had we've done it on golf carts a couple times because you know can tell how much traffic is there, right? And so we've gotten a couple candidates on golf carts, driven them through that area because when you say everybody's going to be there, everybody's going to be there, and so you want to be yeah. a part of that if you can. And so, like you know, I think you know it's, it's crazy because you know speaking of that, and I just saw you uh, in the community at the Ken Knight Awards. Um, we got to hang out with a, a bunch of black journalists and you've been very supportive of, of that since we started it. But tell me a little bit on the journalist side, what you thought of the event and what, what was cool about it. Yeah, I think the coolest thing was, you know, I, um, the winners who were there and I showed it to someone at my office and she, she thought it was really awesome. I said, oh, wow, you should, you, one day you want to kidnap a worse at work. <laughs> I'm at least 20 years away <laughs> from being on that level. Uh, so it was great to see people who are doing, who have done, are doing, and will do some outstanding things for telling the story of all of Jacksonville. Yeah. And that was the, that's the most awesome part about the Kid Night Awards, and you deserve a whole lot of credit for, for that. Um, you know, uh, I'm a Give you your flowers while we're recording live. I, I, I appreciate that. And for those who don't know, the Ken Knight Awards is a award that we do every year for members of the black media that uh, really uphold black stories in a, in a positive manner. And we've done it for three years now. This is our third and biggest year. And like, you know, some of the people have been on the news for 20 years. But what I really am proud of is the people behind the camera that we're able to honor as well. Um, Bo Harris is head of photography for Action News Jacks. People may not have known who he was, and we wanted to highlight some of that work as well. So. I, I, I've seen Bo at a few assignments, and uh, I think after I saw him after the Kid Night Awards, I, I told him, I said, look, we know it's a big assignment when you're here. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he, uh, he, kinda, right. he, he wanted to be all humble about it. like, look, <laughs> You're, you're the chief photographer. Yeah, it's a big deal. And I think, like you said, the other reason was to try to give these people their flowers, right? Like, that's a big deal for an African-American to have that job at a station like that here in town. And so we wanted to highlight him, but also just say, hey, thank you for like, and you, and you know this story as well. Every black professional has been 
one of the only black people in the rooms and sometimes the fights that we have to make and sometimes the sacrifices we have to make for that. And so as it was just a, a night to kind of honor them, but also honor a lot of people that were a part of, of Jacksonville story. So. And the, the, the beauty of some of the winners of the K-9 Awards, whether um, you know, I look at someone like Shelton Hall this year, who, who has been asking the tough questions for a very long time. And not the not the tough questions in like hushed tones or like one on one. You know, they're like, that's a tough question at a press conference while the while the microphone is hot, which is uh, not something everyone does. And also, fair play to Folio Weekly because there's not a whole lot of places that would employ black journalists mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. consistently ask tough questions. So Folio and the places where Shelton's been published deserve a not all the credit, but they deserve a good. Of credit because they've stood by Shelton, and I think that's one of the big things that, um, you know, I just like some of the people who've won. You know, I think Tanika Smith Hughes last mm-hmm. year, um, uh, Don Lopez, I think she won the first year. Mm-hmm. Um, who, who, you know, Don Lopez is a, a local OG, uh, right. um, she, she's been doing it for so long. You know, I just look at the people who have. Had these ben Fraser, look at ben, ben Fraser. Fraser. And it's like what he's still doing. Oh so yeah, I mean we we've been able to honor some more, and I'm looking forward to next year. Who we what honor? Easy E was an honoree this year, and I grew up listening to him on the radio. So I mean, I think there's there's always there's so many stories that have yet to be told, and hopefully we'll be able to do that. And I appreciate you being a big supporter of it. Yeah, I did. Not know that he was the one who came up with the whole yeah yeah the jacket yeah. him some yeah. money exactly um, exactly. So let's get into the show a little bit, and I'll start off with the question I usually start off: Why should people care about the East Side, or why should they care about East Side renewal? What's so important about that? Well, first of all, whether folks like it or not, the football stadium is in the East Side. Mm-hmm. It's, it's right at the corner of downtown mm-hmm. in the east side. And if the Jaguars are going to be playing in Jacksonville in 2030, in 2031, well, there's going to be a few hundred million dollars invested in that stadium. Let's just be bluntly honest about it. Right. The Jags have been very upfront in saying we're not renewing our lease unless, we, uh, unless the stadium gets renovated. And that is going to cost, at a bare minimum, at least a hundred. Like, I mean, Tampa Bay did summer renovations, and that was $160 million. Right. Right. Miami did... More renovations. That was three hundred million dollars before the pandemic, which means prices have gone up at no, anywhere between fifteen and thirty percent. So if we just had what Miami had, and Miami stadiums a little like that's it's going to be three hundred million dollars. But because it's right there, there's going to be so much investment and mixed use development in and around that stadium. The east side is just north of of the stadium. It, it uh, unfortunately it's almost a box mm-hmm. uh, in a lot of mm-hmm. in, in a good way and a bad way. You know, I think that's Union Street on the south. Okay. Um, you know, um, 20th Street Expressway on the north. Uh, on the west is obviously the interstate. And then on the east, combination of Talleyrand slash St. John's River is also, you know, part of the boundaries of it. But that's the extent of the neighborhood. It has a majority black neighborhood for decades. Um, and then, you know, the race riot of 1969 happened. And businesses kind of packed up and left and, and got uh, scared, for lack of a better word. And then so there wasn't, it, it was a thriving locally owned businesses that were all up and down the east side. It was mm-hmm. pretty much a community that self-sustained. Right. Right. Like right. Um, and in the decades since, since that race, right, it is as a number of 
folks have told me there's just been a, a lack of investment in the east side. But I think this is this is also why so much would really care. It's the closest residential neighborhood to downtown. Mm-hmm. Maybe you can, maybe you can kind of include La Villa, mm-hmm. but I mean the east side is closer to downtown than San Marco is. It is, and I think I think and I agree. And there's not a river separating. It. There's no river, and what and what I I agree with you a lot on on all of those points. But I think for me, it's almost like if you want Jacksonville to be the city that you think it can be, you have to work on the east side. You have to bring the east side back into the promises promises that it had before, right? And then, and I think what's important about this particular neighborhood is that it's a neighborhood that is was majority black. Right, but was a, a neighborhood that was thriving before a, ra- a racial incident, and you know there were all types of promises made in consolidation. Eastside was part of those promises, and those promises have not been fulfilled. But I really think if people really why they really should care is because you know I think you want to if you want this city to be the city that everyone thinks it can be. You can't have an area that close to downtown not having the investment to deserve. You look at Atlanta, you look at some of these other cities, the investments that were made around the around the stadium leads to more better businesses and more things. And what better to do that in a black neighborhood? And it's to me, that is majority black is part of it uh, because it was part of the historic urban core that has since... You know, we, we, we have all this space in Jackson, which is a blessing in some ways, mm-hmm. but then it's just the excuse of, well, why should we should go out further than where we are. Um, I always like to say, if people have the time and the gas to drive by the town center, which a number of people do, we have the time and the gas to drive to the east side if there's shopping, exactly. if there's mixed use development that does not price people out of there. And that's one of the things that kind of separates the east side from... Um, from other uh, neighborhoods is that folks aren't being priced, priced out of their homes. They're actively working with community development or organizations and, and to, to make sure that people are not being priced out of their homes because, uh, you know, some of the, some of the properties there are, are not, um, there's, they're worth a lot in dollar figures, mm-hmm. but they're invaluable in what they've meant to families. And, that is sometimes forgotten that just because a, a property might not might not be worth as much in the east side as it is to some other neighborhood does not make does not mean it's 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 any less valuable to a person who who owns that pro- property. Well, I think and and you've written a little bit on affordable housing and and I, I and and I wanted to, this kind of ties into this east side story, so I wanted to talk about it a little bit before we talk about who the players are. In this, but really, you're seeing this across the city. People getting priced out of their homes, right? I mean, I, I I've talked to people. Some of my employees, their rent has gone up two hundred, three hundred dollars in one year, uh, even more in some places. And you're starting to see people getting priced out. And you did a recent story about that. What What would you say about you know the the affordable housing epidemic here in Jacksonville? One of the things is, you know, the, the power, the leaders in the city council, they recognize that there is a problem. Mm-hmm. Um, and now what the solution is, that's where there's some, well, let's do some study 
expertise. Let's talk to experts. Right. Let's do this. Right. Let's let right. the free market decide. But they recognize that there is a problem. And uh, you know, Jacksonville is a city that bipartisan too. Both parties. Players. Both parties recognize the problem. I think it doesn't matter. Yes, Republican, yes. They, they both agree that there's a problem, right? They both they both agree that there's a problem. But you know, if we there, there is money in the city budget, um, yeah, I, I was looking through some of the line items in this year's city budget. This is this is not to denigrate the Jaguars. This is not to denigrate the shrimp jumbo shrimp in any way. Um. There's $34 million in that upcoming city budget of this upcoming year for renovations for sports facilities. $34 million of just this fiscal year. Let alone another some some other funding in years out. So um, you know, uh, Council President Terrence Freeman uh, for the story that we wrote about affordable housing that published um it published right before Hurricane Ian hit. You know, we we yeah. timed it to, to kind of yeah. publish when they were finishing their budget. But um, some of the, you know, a lot of municipalities across the state had meetings that week because that was the last week before October 1st, the last week before October 1st. And so they were finalizing their budgets because uh, municipal fiscal leaders usually begin on October 1st. But Freeman specifically said that there is some allocated dollars in this current fiscal year budget for future city councils and future mayors so there there uh there's there's a he started a committee like a quality of life committee um they're actually meeting uh on october 6th it was supposed to happen last week but hurricane ian came in mm-hmm. everybody was meeting understandably um a quality of life committee they're looking at three things affordable housing homelessness and uh health access to healthcare. the one i really most paying attention to is affordable housing okay. uh, and they're meeting uh on on october 6th uh the experts are meeting with some people on the city council um but freeman did say that he was concerned that people were getting priced at their homes um in jacksonville uh, um thing is because jacksonville is so big i mean st john's county is city less affordable than right than duval county because there's not a whole lot of um, mixed use housing in St. John's County. But uh, this is fascinating. Um, I was reading a report from the, I think it was the Florida Apartments Association about two years ago. And one of the things that stood out to me was Jacksonville, over 90% of um, residential zoning is for single family homes in Jacksonville. Over 90%. Wow. That's considerably higher than the, the three other metros in the state of Florida. Considerably higher. I think mine is in the fifties. Um, wow. Say uh, or uh, I can't quite remember where Orlando and Tampa were off the top of my head, but neither one of them was over. I think one was in the eighties, but Jacksonville was at I think ninety-one percent. And this this report um, it's specifically stated that the, and I'm paraphrasing because my notes are somewhere. Um, the Court specifically stated that one reason why Jacksonville had um, such a high, high percentage of of residential zoning for single family houses is so that there was not mixed use housing. Essentially, what they were implying in some ways and spelling out explicitly in others was because of Jacksonville's history of making sure that black and brown people did not live in some neighborhoods. They didn't want to, oh wow, the zoning yeah. for housing 
was for specifically single-family homes, which meant... Exactly. Redlining, yeah. It's easier to redline those type of properties. It's easy to make those deed-restricted properties when they're single-family homes as opposed to apartments and condos and mixed-use stuff. So it always comes back to racism somehow. Like, it comes back. (laughs) It always comes back. I think the thing with Jacksonville is, is, and people start to be a little more honest about it. Like, we just have to be real about it. I mean, modern Jacksonville, there's reasons why Jacksonville looks the way it does, why neighborhoods are the way they are. There are even um, reasons why some neighborhoods are majority black and where they're located. Um, I remember uh, during a press conference for the 200th anniversary of Jacksonville, it was to Bicentennial earlier this year. Uh, he was really fantastic. He said some, uh, he provided some great context about Jacksonville's history. But, you know, I asked him, I said, about Jackson, how much geography has played a role in the foundation of Jacksonville. And he was like, oh, yeah, geography plays a massive role uh, in, in everything from where downtown is located to why some neighborhoods are where exactly they are. So, I, to, I could do a whole podcast on this. I could do a whole podcast just on this. Even like where some of, where ninety five runs through Jacksonville. If you notice where ninety five runs through Jacksonville, and some of the exits that are off of ninety five are so much more expansive than they are in other neighborhoods, right? And so you know that was done on purpose. You can see black neighborhoods being split up by. 95 and 295 here, and that was done on purpose. And so, you know, we could we could spend a whole nother podcast just talking about some of those pre-planned things that were done to divide black neighborhoods. Back to the east side, the 20th Street Expressway, right in the middle of the east mm-hmm. side. Like it, 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 it. But this is what's and cool if, about. If we're go, really thinking- go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was just saying, if you really think about it, outside of maybe like uh, trucks coming from the port, also on these side, um, it's all there's so many black folks on the east side because there are dock workers who work. Right. Um, but, uh, you know, part of the, with the exception of the trucks going, it, it, don't get me wrong, trucking and logistics is a big part of Jacksonville's story, which doesn't get as discussed as much. Yeah. As it should probably outside of the business community. Um, I said trucks going on the twenty street express. There's not a whole lot of traffic on it. All right, all right. We what what I think is, and that's why this story is interesting because I think this is an opportunity where it looks like from the outside they're trying to do this the right way, right? I mean, what what we've seen in a lot of these kind of. Um, renewal programs or, or gentrification. You see people come in, they want to implement what they want. They want to raise the prices and they want to price out some of the residents. Right. And I think like what I've what I've what I hope and what I've seen, especially from your story, that's not what's happening here. So why don't we go through some of the players in this program and what they're doing to, to not do that. Well let's start with Suzanne Pickett. She's the the head of the historic East Side CDC. Um, you know, she's from the East Side, grew up 
up on the east side. Uh, but because of her long term, long time roots, and people are, she, she said people remember her when she was a little girl. So, um, but, you know, one of the biggest things is I think there was a, a, a repair program where homes along, I think they started on Van Buren Street and it's going to go to other streets along the east side uh, in the coming uh, months and years, is Dolores Bar-Weaver got involved with funding. And instead of just, you know, throwing money at, at the problem, um, she worked with the community foundation and the community foundation connected with this historic east side CDC so they could be precise about how and where the money was spent. Um, and that was something that is going to make a big difference because instead of just you know, figuratively making it rain, um, it, it's it's targeted application of of what is needed. Um, I also think of like the Jacksonville Armada. I would not say are one of the bigger players, but it's an example of what makes the East Side different from other neighborhoods. And then, you know, they had these. They have an they still have an option to uh, develop a stadium um, along a property on the East Side. It's, it's on A. Philip Randolph, a little. A little bit north of Union Street, but right before you get to um, oh, there's a restaurant. Of, uh, right, right before you get to a restaurant whose name I can't think of. I think I know the owner. I just can't think of her. the <laughs> name. Of the restaurant. I think it's Eames. But um, they have an option to, to develop a stadium there. But instead of just coming in, it's like, oh, we're gonna do these health issues. They worked with the community instead of dictating right. Right. to the community, and that's been one of the biggest differences. Um, uh, on the east side, um, no, um, I always confuse Lisk Jackson, Lisk Jackson. It's not my finest hour, um, but Lisk. Like so, Lisk, Lisk is L I S C, right? And then there's also Lift Jacks, right? L I F T. What right. are, and what are they doing? Lift is on the uh, excuse me, Suzanne Pickett's on the board of Lift of Lift with the T Jacks, um, and and I want I I I was. I was the cookies off the top of my head. Uh, Lisk is really about uh, programming. I think Lyft is really more about like the development itself. Um, so because she has a seat on the board of Lyft Jacks, um, she, she's able to have a voice. She's able to be a, a, a seat at the table and not just a, a silent seat at the table. Not like, you know, um, I, I'm hesitant to mention anything about children in the holidays anymore. <laughs> but... Um, <laughs> Um, she she actually has a voice at the, at the table. That's hilarious. <laughs> but aren't they doing like a grocery store too as well, right? Are they they working on a grocery store yes. in that area? Yeah. They are working a grocery store. De- Deb's <laughs> store, um, I think it was owned by uh, the Deb's family for decades, and it closed a few years ago. And so, um, I'm gonna say. A number of organizations are working to bring a grocery store back um, right. to these because there's there's not one. And, and I remember speaking with um Paul Tutwiler at the Northwest Jacksonville CDC earlier this year. And he mentioned real quick, real that, quick, what is a CDC for people that I know that it's a community. Go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, I right. let you have this one. Yeah, <laughs> my bad. I'm 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 interrupting it all. You know, no, no, you're just co-hosting. Just, go ahead. This, this this is not my bike. <laughs> you know. um, as, as they say on the show, stay in, on the Nick Cannon 
So why not stay in your lane? Stay in your lane. No, this is your lane. Um, so I'm happy to have you on. This is awesome to be on here with you. So go ahead. What is it? What What is the CDC? So it, it's, it's a community development corporation. So it's a they're nonprofits, 501c. It's a nonprofit. So we, we're not giving like the, the wrong letters, right? But they're nonprofit that advocate for certain communities. Uh, there's definitely one, there's one in Northwest Jack. Um, there's one on the east side. I think there are others in town. But those are the two. Uh, I don't want to say the two biggest. Biggest is not the right word. But those are the two that, that you are, hear about the that most. Are those are the ones, yeah, those are the ones you hear about the most. I mean, you know, they, and the, and the yeah. goal is for them to really work with developers, work with business owners, and really really focus in on like lifting up, you know, economic development in those areas and bring those places back to where they're at. So yes, yes, um, and so they, um, but Paul Tutwiler, who's been at the Northwest Jackson CDC for a number of years, um, he he mentioned one time that you know these grocery chains they they pretty much want a, a certain the neighborhood to have a certain level of uh, average income, and right. unfortunately, Northwest Jacksonville and East Side are. Um, to the poor areas in Jacksonville. And because of that, grocery chains don't come in. And it's not like there's a whole lot of grocery, locally owned grocery stores anymore. So Deb's store is going to be locally owned and operated, but there's going to be fresh fruit, fresh vegetables, where, where there's access to produce instead of packaged food, because it's the packaged food that, you know, as, as we all know, adds the, the unhealthy elements that, mm-hmm. you know, kill us sooner um so and and yeah it's there's a there's another story that i probably might even work on over the next few weeks i'll see if i can't um can't get it out there between now and the end of the year about actually food but it's 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 a personal project of mine in terms of um i won't i won't say too much about it because i don't want to over promise it under the little but let's just say it'll it there there will be a a very poignant tie-in to the Black Panther two movie coming out. Okay, um, all right. That, that, I love that. I love that. that. That's the tease put out there. No, but I, I do think you know one of the things that we know about that neighborhood. It is a food oh, desert, meaning that they don't have. I mean, and people don't always like that term, and that's fair. But they don't have access to, to go and get fresh foods, you know, unless, you know, for them, I think the closest grocery store would be the Riverside, or there's a Winn-Dixie, is that, or what is it, Harvey's, right there, um, that's closer, Gateway, but like, yeah, you know, Gateway, and, and that kind of stuff, and so, you know, there's not, there's not anything in that neighborhood where they can just easily go and get food, especially fresh food, and so, you know, the community needs that. Yeah, it, it definitely does. Or if, uh, you know, Riverside has a Publix. San Marco just got a Publix. I mean, and I'm only using Publix as mm-hmm. this, this is not the pick on Publix by any way, stretch of imagination. But it, it, pretty much if a neighborhood has a Publix, you know what kind of, you know what kind of money is in that neighborhood. Exactly. Um, exactly. Especially in Florida. Like, if, if there's a, like, Publix doesn't play around. Like, <laughs> if there's a Publix within about three miles of somewhere and you you know you know what to expect whether and whether that's a fair assumption or not but you know and, and, and getting 
food deserts. That's something that a number of people really um, or from Congress. And so I, I think it'll be a very, very, very fascinating to see whoever wins this congressional. Um, and, it, and I'm talking solely on policy here. Uh, yeah. Right. Stay in my lane. Um, you know, between Aaron being the Republican and LJ Holloway, the Democrat, I've talked to a number of people in that congressional district or the Duval County portion of that congressional district who want more um, federal funding to help uh, eradicate food deserts. So right. from a policy perspective, right. whoever wins that race will have their their hands full working with constituents in Duval County about eradicating food deserts. Yeah, um, there's another whole podcast on the redistricting of those districts and, and how they've defranchised black voters, but we'll, we'll do that another day. Um, but uh, but I, I think, um, but I do think, but I, but I do think, like you said, you know, this has been interesting to see these partners come together. I definitely wanted to get your opinion or thought on, you know, is this going to be different than before? I know we've seen a lot of talk about we've been in Jacksonville shipyards, this neighborhood, that neighborhood. We are, I call us like um, Renderville because we always see renders everywhere, but we don't always see them come to provision. So, you know, I would love to kind of get your thoughts though, because you've talked to all the partners. You've been, I mean, this is your story, and you've talked to a lot of people involved. You know, what what do you think? What how does this feel? As, as I don't want to get say a prediction, but just you know, tell me what you what you kind of are starting to feel from this particular um, program. Yeah, there's going to be some, when I say improve, there's going to be some progress made. Now, how much, you know, like you said, it's, it's Jacksonville. And, right. um, you know, I mean, UNF and JU should specifically have a degree for graphic design in terms of urban art. Um, <laughs> some of the amount of renderings that we have here. Right. That's just, right. You know, they'll always have a career. But, but to be, to be serious, I think, There'll be some. There'll be some development. I don't want to put it all on the on the face of the Jaguars, but just I believe we have an opportunity over the next ten years to really develop the East Side because if if, if we collectively as a community have again, it's going to cost at least two. Let's just conservatively say three. Hundred million renovate the stadium. That all may not be public money, but if we have nine digits to renovate a sports stadium, I'm sure that we also have some money to um, invest in um, improving streets and uh, you know providing grants um, uh, uh, for for businesses to launch on on in the shadow of the stadium. Uh, uh, so I think there'll be some work done, in my, is my opinion. I think there'll be some work done. But I, I think that we have that unique opportunity over this next eight years because, you know, that if the Jaguars are going to stay here, which they have said they're going to, they have made it abundantly clear they want to stay in Jacksonville. Shad Khan has said that. The team president has said that. They want to stay here. If we're going to have to develop the stadium, we, we, we can have have the, we have we need to also have the will to want to develop the east side um and, and, and what that entails 
is, you know, I, I know the city council, some of the city council members are big on the free market, and that's that's their prerogative and their perspective. But ways that they can support the free market um, are through incentives and tax breaks. Um, mm-hmm. This is not to pick on Dun & Bradstreet in any way, shape, or form, but, you know, Dun & Bradstreet, I, I know they got at least seven figures, I think it was at least a million dollars, uh, from this year's fiscal budget as part of their relocation. You know, right. there are others. Where, where is their office going to be, Dun & Bradstreet? Do you uh, remember? Have they chosen that uh, yet? Uh, off the top of my head, I don't. I don't. It's, it's not be, the east side, though, correct? It's, it's not the east side. I, it's a, uh, I, mean, I mean, if, if it is, like, it'd be great. But the two, again, I wasn't picking up Dun & Bradstreet. I'm just saying we, we have the funding. We just have to have the will exactly. to do it. Exactly. And, but, but, and this, I mean, it, but also brings up an example of, hey, we'll give you more relocation money to be in this area as opposed to, like, you know, coming to wherever you want. I mean, we have the opportunity to, to really use the stuff that we're already going to give companies and push them into working on neighborhoods that we want them to help improve. I mean, I think, like I was saying in the beginning, if you want Jacksonville to be the city that you think it can be, you can't leave sides of town to rock. You can't leave side of town to not get the development and get their fair share of money and get their fair share of development. We have to realize that we as Jacksonville, when I say we're not Miami, and what I mean by that is Miami Stadium is there, there are areas around the football stadium of Miami that could definitely use in uh, municipal investment, but it's Miami. Right, right. So Miami will all like Miami gets a Formula One race because people with more money than we'll see in our lifetimes wanted Formula One race. There's no one with enough money in the world to have a Formula One race called the Jacksonville. You know, so so my my point is that there are other there are other NFL markets, and, and I'll just even kind of go up and down and look at the ones in the South. Let's use New Orleans, the Superdome. It's really walkable around there. There's and granted, New Orleans is a much older city than Jacksonville, but it's walkable. There's mixed use. You you know, there's entertainment. There's things around there. Um, the Panthers. Stadium in Charlotte. There's bars and there's mixed use and there's um, townhomes and small apartments. All within, it's not like it's direct walking distance. You can you can take a scooter from multiple apartment uh, high rise apartments to the football stadium. Um, the basketball arena is in the heart of downtown. Really walkable. A lot of mixed use development. Atlanta, same thing. Uh, a lot of. Uh, Tampa has been outlier, um, but even Orlando, where they have their soccer and basketball stadium, pretty much on the same street. Right. It, it's there's there's some mixed use development right near there. If we as Jacksonville want to be the city, like you said, if we want to be the city that we think we can be, then we need to also have that mixed use development in and around our stadium as well. And right now we don't have that. And that's and that's where I mean, and that's where like. You know, I'm glad you were able to come on and we'll definitely have you on again. But I think just telling the story initially, people they need to hear about it, right? They need to understand why why people are making an investment there, but why it's important, you know, because I think we we, we sometimes don't one thing that's very good about Jacksonville 
is they have all these different neighborhoods. And a lot of times you're not concerned with what else is going on outside of your neighborhood. But the east side is one of those neighborhoods where you need to be concerned about because it connects the city to, to the rest of the city. And it's also um, right there by the stadium where millions of people come every year. And so, you know, um, go ahead. Go ahead, Will. No, I was, I was going to add to that, you know, um, uh, I spoke with uh, the CEO of the Gator Bowl uh, within the last years, uh, the last 18 months, I can't remember when I spoke with him about it, but one of their goals is when the college football playoff expands, is to have Jacksonville be one of the cities that hosts a college football playoff game. Mm-hmm. I mean, and the cities that are hosting college football playoff games have, they they invested in their downtowns. Mm-hmm. They've invested in the areas around their stadium. I mean, San Francisco, like, uh, or, or Santa Clara, a little bit different. I mean, it's also, but San, Santa Clara is public transportation that we don't have. Right, exactly. So, you know, if we want to be that city in terms of attracting the college football playoff, um, it, if we want to continue to attract NCAA uh, basketball tournament games, if we want have an NFL team, you know, if, if we want, to, and I'm, I'm not solely talking from an entertainment perspective, but entertainment, or better yet, if we're going to have a five-star hotel in downtown Jacksonville, who's going to stay in a five-star hotel when there's a perception that a mile away to the north, you know, Supposedly, a neighborhood sketchy. It's not sketchy. Right, right. The, the the perception of of too many is that it is. It is undeveloped, though, and you can see that, and you can see that it needs some a little bit more more of the city's money and time and pay attention to that. One last thing for you, Will. What anything else did you wanted to say on this story before we let you go, though? That was anything. How, one last thing on this story. That you, anything else you wanted to add before I let you go on this story? Your general takeaway. I mean, the beauty. Oh, you know what? Speaking of the East Side, I, I do want to say this because so many people, and, and I know we keep coming back to the Jaguars, but so many people when they go to the Jaguars games, a lot, but people park in the East Side. Mm-hmm. They they park in houses. They park all over mm-hmm. the place. Mm-hmm. So find people like Debo parking and park for freedom. Uh, but the point is, is, is that the historic Eastside CDC has actually started uh, this year. They have a, a cart service. Um, and so they bought golf carts. And so, you know, you can park in a safe parking lot. They'll watch your car. And then they'll trans- take you literally from your car in a golf cart wow. pretty much to the front of the stadium. And it's a, way for them, it's a way for them to raise dollars to make an impact in the community. And so, yes, it's obviously it's benefiting the Eastside. And then... Let me also be transparent on this. Yes, WG, I work at WJCT, and we also have parking, and so we also install parking spaces. So I, I want to be transparent there, but there are ways for people to support the east side where if you're going to pay for parking, I don't know how much parking is these days, that might be a way to support the east side with something mm-hmm. you're already doing. And I think oh, that's no. something that we need, as Jacksonville need to do more of is well, if we're going to spend the dollars, and, and not just like, I don't mean like the, the public, I mean, like privately, people, like if yeah, we're going yeah. to spend dollars, make sure we're spending dollars with people and organizations mm-hmm. that recycle those dollars within our community, and mm-hmm. our and our dollars go further, and it Much makes further. more of an impact here in in Jacksonville. 
Man, no, I love how you ended that. Will, thank you so much for coming on the show. Where can people find you that, you know, that you want to be found at all, but where can they find you? Oh, I can always be found on Twitter, uh, okay. Brown 19 um, I'm always there. Um, you know, if you want to send me an email, will at J-A-X-T-O-D-A-Y.org. You can always send me emails there. Um, I always like to say my cell phone is not a state secret, but if you have so, it's it hasn't. It has not changed. I'm not going to give it out here, but it's, it's, it's <laughs> so yeah, it's, it's and, out there. And you're writing for the what is it, Jacks Today newsletter? Is that what it's called? What is it called? Yes, uh, I'm writing yes. the Jacks Today newsletter as a part of the report for America, uh, a report for America Corps member, and so it's a fellowship that is placing local journalists across the country. There are about 300 of us in newsrooms all, all across the country. Wow. Um, I think there's even folks. A dozen of us in in Florida, everywhere Sarasota, Miami, Gainesville, Tampa, or Gainesville, Tampa. So I think there's another someone else in Florida, but they're all over the country. And so, Port for America is a wonderful organization that is helping to provide local journalism. What I do is produce stories and photos and audio about people um, about race and poverty and inequality in Jacksonville. So where can people get the newsletter? Just real quick, and I'll put a link in the yes. bio as well. Jackstoday.org slash sign up. So you can all, it'll, it's a newsletter Monday through Friday. And you know what, today, uh, I, we were a bit delayed in me talking to you because um, I will say this because it's really cool. There's a young man uh, from Jack, and this is why it's so important to invest in Jacksonville communities. There's a young man, his name is Dr. Ben Harvey, he is from the North. No, he's from Northwest Jacksonville. He is the CEO of uh, an AI company that has a valuation of, I think, $10 million. Wow. Um, and you can find that in the Jackson know. newsletter. And I, I love the newsletter. It's actually really good. It's actually really good. So this is a this is a this is a definitely a pitch for it because I, I get it and I like it. And there's not just you, but there's other writers and columnists in there as well that, that are doing a really good job. So and it's nice to have something that's focused really on our city, right? And gets to go underneath and give some stories a little bit of nuance that you normally don't get. So, so thank you so much, Will, for coming on the show. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me.